We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This is Rams Uncensored with Matt Herrera. This, this just, the, like that whole, I, I don't know, it just makes Brian Juano. I am in the cornfield looking at you right now. Tommy Avance. I want to host a, a radio show, but I stutter. And Mark. Luhan. You blending up those Krispy Kreme donuts and juicing that? You have now entered the danger zone. I'll give you a virtual hug, too. Hey, Jim. Welcome to the show. This is Brian Juano. Um, I got the boys on the line as well. Welcome to Rams Uncensored. I don't think you need an introduction. Um, Everybody in Rams, you know, everybody that's a Rams fan knows who you are. Oh, perfect. Let's get into this, guys. Uh, Jim, what do you you think about the the upcoming season for the Rams and the offseason moves that they made? Do you think that they've made improvements or they took a step back? I think they've made plenty of improvements, but I want to get your take on this. Well, a number one, it's it's good to be with Rams Uncensored. I mean, you guys are all over the place. It's fun to it's fun to set you guys out, see you guys on Twitter, and going back and forth. So, a number one, I'm really happy to be with you guys and answer all the questions. Um, 
I think every team is a new year, no matter where where you start. I mean, you look at the Rams, we got 33 new faces on the, on the team. And so, you know, where that is, what, what does that mean? You know, if we're climbing up or stepping down, I don't know. I mean, we were, we were right knocking on the door for the Super Bowl last year. And this year, hopefully we, we uh, you know, crash through that door and knock Brady out and, and uh, take that thing. But uh, you know, with, 30 new players. Every team has new chemistry. Every team has new players. We got we got rookies that are going to have to contribute, and you just don't know. We got two offensive linemen. You just don't know how they're going to protect. So yeah, there's some question marks, but I think every team in the league thinks that every one of those question marks is going to be an exclamation mark. But you know, it's time will tell. Hey Jim, Matt hey. again. I got. I'm curious. You. The guys are all coming into training camp right now, and obviously they they had the the mini camps earlier on. But I'm curious, what would you be looking forward to this type of year? Like, what's your preparation as a quarterback, and like, what can we kind of be expecting Goff and everyone on the offense to be learning and and just like gelling right now? Well, I think the the let's just take Goff's room for example. You know, the, the sitting down in there. He's got he's got you know Blake Bortles who's a veteran quarterback, but he's got to learn the whole system. So they're going all the way back from, you know, we're looking at the alphabet. We're starting at A, where golf may be all the way down to Z, but he gets to hear it another time, work through it. Um, I think that'll be good. But I think you know it's important to have a good backup. I think Blake Bortles will be seen a lot of time in the next you know preseason game. So. I, I, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. And hopefully, it, you know, that's why he came here is to, you know, kind of resurrect his whole whole being. But I think what each one of the players is, is I think they've, they've showed up. They've been working on personal strength. You know, I think golf looks stronger. Um, they've all, they all, you know, have taken a break from the game. And I think they're eager to get back at this time of year. And now it's about, you know, coming together as a team, maintaining yourself, being a professional um, but how's the chemistry of the team? And, and you know, the, the thing you want to come in, like you said, you won't, you're in good shape, but now it's time to get the whole team. You know, you've got meetings, you've got rhythm. You're going to hear Coach McVay talk about we have a, spe- a specific rhythm here in practice, in meetings, in how we go as professionals. And I think guys will have to attach onto that as part of their, you know, what their label is. And they have to, you know, get up to speed. And I think that's what everyone's going to do. And I think McVay's going to push them. Just got to make that next step for the Super Bowl again, right? Repeat, get back there again. That's the goal. Well, I I think the goal, I think everyone talks about Super Bowl, but I think at this time of year, you're trying to come together as a team. You're trying to, and I break it down as this, is on offense-wise, you just want to move. You want to move for a first down. You want to be able to. You know, you look at the Rams last year, and I think they had league leading eighty. You know, red uh, red zone scores. I don't think that the forefront of their head is 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 Super Bowls. I think the forefront is, you know, how can we get back to having you know eighty eighty more red zone trips and being so successful scoring points. Um, a guy like Zerline, you know, let's keep him healthy. Those types of things. I think the Super Bowl takes care of itself as it comes, but you have to come together as a team before you can even entertain ideas of Super Bowls or championships or anything like that. But, and I think that's what their focus is. And I don't mean to pull back so far, but that's where every, every team starts. Because with 33 new faces, this is a new team. Absolutely. Jim, this is Brian. Um, 
speaking of new faces, what are your thoughts on the offensive line with uh, the two new starters coming in on the offensive line? Brian, that's a good question, and I'm going to spend some time, you know, practices beginning, and I'm going to be down there, and if you all come down to Irvine, I'll see you down there. But uh, both the interior offense and defensive line are areas that I'm just going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I, You know, I think they have projected um, who's going to start there. Doesn't mean that's how it happens. I know Aaron Crawford, how he does, he likes competition, likes to move guys around. And if he finds a particular combination um, that works better than another, he's going to go there. And so I think right now they have guys who they think have the ability to play there, but they have to prove that they have the ability to play there and, and be successful at it. So, again, we're replacing, you know, two, two veteran guys in the interior line, and I know sometimes that can be tricky, tricky stuff, um, especially with all the defensive coordinators out there going, you know, we're going to confuse this left guard and we're going to confuse this center and uh, puts a little bit more pressure on, on the guys around them and on the quarterback. So with that being said, being a quarterback, having a new center, I mean, how crucial is that, that the communication between the center and the quarterback? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's kind of like life or death. <laughs> right, right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, we're talking about a guy that might not have taken a snap in the NFL. Well, um, if, you know, if that was an issue, I, I think Coach Grommer would have made sure that he got Sullivan back. So I think that he feels that it's time. But – the, uh, you know, it relays it, uh, it goes to the player himself saying, Hey, I got this. And he, he has to actually do it. Um, on paper, it may look right, this and that, but it has to be executed. I know uh, I had a center named Doug Smith back, and we replaced him with a new guy, and it was disastrous. So it's, it's critical keeping the A gaps, you know, blocked up because, um, especially with a pocket quarterback. Uh, pocket passer, you get in the A-gaps, people screaming up the A-gaps, and you're, you can't throw off your back. So it's, it's going to be key, and that's where I'm going to be focusing a lot of my attention, looking at you know this camp, how they're going. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll be interesting to see which guys step it up, because I, I really do think it's wide-open competition up there. I'm with it. So with that being said, obviously, obviously, Brian Allen, I mean, Allen is the guy we're thinking of, but is there somebody else you could think of that might be stepping in instead of him? Well, I don't know. I think that's the, the, the key thing. No, I, I mean, I might go with it right now until I actually see all the players out there. You know, you know, we're, t- we're talking, you know, we're talking Allen, we're talking Boom. and those, are the, those guys are going to be the heir apparent. Um, but I don't think it rules out someone else coming in that could say, hey, you know, I got this, or I work better, or, you know, maybe this switch here. I don't know. I just know Cromer's going to be moving around, and it's going to be a big head game, and it's going to be fun to watch. Nice. Mark? Hey, Jim. So, yeah, um, you know, going back to the Super Bowl and watching Jared Goff, as he kind of struggled in that game and how you see some of these analysts rank him for this year a little bit low, how do you bounce back from all that mentally and how do you prepare come to this year? Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't listen to all the analysts because they didn't play the game. If you look at, if you look at the Super Bowl, not every Super Bowl is going to be like the Kansas city LA game that goes 50, 50. 
the game was three to three going into fourth quarter. It was a superior defensive battle. So kudos to Belichick and Wade Phillips by knowing exactly what they're going to do. It was, it, and I know there was a, a couple passes that maybe could have been caught, maybe not. We're going to base that all on Jared Goff. I thought he played a competitive game. I thought he stood in there. I don't think he had his his brightest moments, but neither did Tom Brady. You know, he was at three points after four quarters. It wasn't until they went to 22 personnel and then emptied the backfield and got the matchups that they wanted. So kudos to Daniels by, you know, with his strategy. And they just basically created a one-on-one with Gronkowski. So, and of of course with Edelman in there. So, I mean, you know, I watched the whole thing. It was a very strategic battle. I don't think I'm ripping on golf. It was, it was a tough, there was no quarterback in America that was going to be throwing 400 yards against that defense. They were just dialed in. They knew exactly what Sean McVay was going to do. I guess my question would be, what kind of strategies do you come up differently if you have that situation again? Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, everyone's ripping on Goff and ripping on the game. And if I was a defensive player for the Rams or for the Patriots, I'd be kind of pissed off because that Super Bowl was one of the best defensive performances if not the best in nfl history and why aren't we giving that enough credit i I don't know i give it a ton of credit because i've been on on this side of the ball going i was actually at the game watching the whole thing going oh that's fabulous oh that's fabulous and they and they weren't moving the chains or they you know they were stopping them and i and you know and i and i thought that you know bill check did a good job against our 11 personnel and 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 created some you know some problems matter of fact the touchdown that was knocked down was by – it was a four deep. It was knocked down by the opposite safety who basically had to, you know, just go to uncharted territory to come back to get it. Otherwise, it's an easy touchdown. So it was quarters deep defense, which a lot of people haven't done, which I think the Rams are going to see more this year. And so I think all those types of things, knowing how Coach McVay wants to play two, three steps ahead, is you know how's he going to change his personnel? Or how's he going to change the the four deep? But against many many other defenses, that's an easy touchdowns to cook. Uh, but the opposite safety already knew that was coming. Yeah, he's just going to have to learn to change his playbook, like Bill Belichick has over the last nineteen years or so. You've seen if you go back to you know when Tom Brady first took over till now. How many different types of offenses have they run? They've run a ton of different ones and out of tons of different personnel. So that tells you you need to keep changing it because people are going to just keep figuring it out. And I think Sean obviously learned the hard way and knows that, and he's going to continue to evolve as a coach and be a great one at the end of the day. Yeah, I think predictability is one of the things that we all, especially when you're in any type of strategy game, call it football, whatever else, but predictability can be, you know, can be your worst enemy. And I think that was one of the things that might have, um, you know, jumped in that, that said, you know, and, and being a guy like Belichick, he, he's like a defensive morpher. I mean, he'll change all sorts of different things from weekend to week out. He had two weeks to prepare for the Rams and uh, he was all over their game plan. Now, some people call Spygate, some people call this. You know, maybe he had a couple people watching practice or even or something. I wouldn't put it by him, but, <laughs> but, it, but it gets you to that point. You're like, hey, he's anticipating our moves. How did he know? But that's just how good he is. Um, you know, and, and and there's been a lot of talk about that stuff. But I, I'm just I'm kind of just because he's just one heck of a coach and a future Hall of Fame coach. So don't don't get me wrong. I'm just playing. But 
I just think that against someone like that, you don't want to overcoach yourself, but you definitely want to have some things in there saying, hey, you want to answer it with this? I'm going to answer it with that. Exactly, exactly. So this is Tommy. I want to get back to your playing career in Los Angeles. More importantly, let's let's be honest. You played your whole career in Anaheim, right? Uh, I played my for the Rams for yeah, yeah for the Rams. For the Rams. Yeah, for the Rams, I was uh, it was in you know Los Angeles, but it was in Anaheim. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I mean, I mean, more important than my career is is your fantasy football team's name. Have you talked to everyone about this? Does everyone know about this? Man, nobody beats off in church, man, except for Jim Everett. <laughs> well, who names the team off in church? That's just, I mean, it's just, it's like feel sinful when you beat you. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Cruel. But yeah, it's, it's, cruel, it's a lose-lose. It's a lose-lose situation for anybody who plays me, if you really think about it, because, you know, if I win, I get to pop my collar and say nobody beats off in church. If you win, you got caught beating off in church. Uh, all right, Tommy. I'm telling you, you are, you're creative. Uh, you know, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, the, I, I snuck a couple victories in for the championship last year. But anyways, maybe this year will be different, Tommy. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what. I remember week one last year, and I didn't even think much about off in church. And I beat off in church, and then I didn't think about – I didn't even think about this, okay? But then Jim sends a message to the whole league talking about how two girls, one cup, beat off in church. <laughs> and it's like fucking midnight and I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like, Oh Jesus, damn it. I did beat off in church. All right. I think we just, we just surpassed the uncensored part. Can we say that man? Definitely. <laughs> hey, it's uncensored. It's uncensored. Yeah. It's uncensored. All right. Well, I'm just looking for victories. I don't care about all the other stuff. I want victories in the anthology. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> so my <laughs> Brian, it's not, it's, Know the scoring of the dang league next year. <laughs> oh, I know, the, I know, I know the scoring. Let's just hope that there's a, a day when I can actually draft because we haven't made a draft uh, day decision yet. All right. Well, good luck to all the all the listeners out there. If you guys have fantasy football leagues, good luck with it. Prepare for it, and uh, you know we'll be talking about ours throughout the throughout the year. So we have a good time, and I, I really like our Ramley group. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But to go back to my question about playing in Anaheim, because you yep. and I'm not going to speak for Brian. We're we're around the same age, and I'm gonna, I'm going to speak for myself and say, you were my first experience watching, really watching football. Because I started watching in 1984 when I was six years old. But when you came around is when I really started getting into the game as a kid. So you were my childhood quarterback that I grew up with watching. And my question is, what was it like playing in Anaheim? Because I grew up as a fan in the blackout rule era where I lived less than 15 miles from the stadium, right? But my family was poor. We couldn't afford to go to games. And they weren't really in the sports that much to where they would want to take me to a game. So I never I never went to a, a Rams game until they were the St. Louis Rams. But I had to listen to you guys on AM radio because the games were never sold out and, and we were punished by the blackout rule by not putting it on TV. So I would listen to you guys on AM radio while I watched the Cowboys or the Niners or John Elway or whoever play on TV. But how, how was it like, you Amen, know, playing Tommy. in that blackout era? What was it like, man? Well, I number one, I, you know, I think that you look at the blackout rule, just take that general. First of all, 
you know, I think every every good idea has its pluses and minuses. You know, and the blackout rule forces everyone to go to the games, but then the people that can't afford to go to the games never see the games. So, you know, and I, and I actually grew up in New Mexico, so we didn't get any blacked out, but we had to be – they shut Dallas down our throat and Pittsburgh. So, anyways, the um, I think that, you know, nowadays a lot better um, – I think that the cost of going to the game is still extremely high. I like the fact that what Atlanta's doing is selling, you know, hot dogs and Cokes for a reasonable price and, and those things. I know it's a lot of money for a family of four to go to a game, no matter where it is, but the fact is if you can't afford it or maybe you don't want to get, you know, pay $100 or $50 for parking, you can actually still watch the game. And I think that's good, and especially for the youth, because I said this, 21 years L.A. didn't have a team foothold to support. And it's fun now watching those 10-year-olds where Tommy used to be about 10 years old, you know, saying, hey, I want to roll with you and have it. You know, I like to see these 10-year-olds now saying, I want to be Todd Gurley. I want to be Terry Goff. And, and this whole L.A. Basin now has a team. And some of them may be saying Phillip Rivers. But, you know, at least they have someone that they can relate to and, you know, play sports and understand. And I think that develops the whole fan fandom stuff. I think there's some St. Louis people that, you know, are still Rams fan and are part of Rams nation um, and probably always will be. But, you know, now they're going to be forced to watch Kansas City, which isn't a bad team to watch, though. But, uh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I think that it's it's better now. But I, but I do understand the cost about going to the game, and it's it's – it's unfortunately for a lot of families, it's not it's not affordable enough to, to do that. I get it. Sticking. So I, I can I can second this for Tommy because I was I grew up on the Central Coast, and it wasn't the blackout rule, but I had to watch the damn Niners. <laughs> yeah. So I was AM radioing it as well. But um, I think I think Jim, I think we want to merge this a little bit. Um, we want to involve Rams Twitter a little bit. I know you used to banter with Russ Crenshaw a little bit. Do you want to give him a call while you're on the line? Do I want to give him a call or you guys? No, 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 no. We'll call him and merge him in. Do you want, you want to talk to Russ? Sure. Throw him on here. I mean, we'll try. We'll see if he answers. <laughs> well, hey, it's uncensored. He can say whatever. So there we go. Exactly. We sneak up on him. We sneak up on a lot of people all the time. It's what we do, man. We don't get, we don't ask for permission. We ask for forgiveness. Uh, you don't ask for either. I know you too. You guys, come on. <laughs> this, this is, is very true. This is oh, very true. Right. Why, why do you think? Why do you think I'm blocked by Team Bogue? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think that's kind of neat. I mean, we're talking about Twitter. I mean, the the, the you know the Rams have been here three years now. And, you know, and it's it's kind of nice because, you know, you guys are on the startup of developing the entire, you know, the kind of the L.A. Ram fan. I know there's a lot of Rams fans who have been here since, you know, 60s, 70s, this and that, but it's, they haven't always been on Twitter and stuff. So it's kind of neat that uh, you guys are involved with that and taking responsibility. And, and uh, I can't say be kind, but you guys are, you know, it's cool that you're involved. Call has been forwarded to an automatic voice oh, message. Oh, no Jim, you got to leave a message. Hey, Russ, this is Jim Abbott over here. We're on, we're on with uh, Uncensored. You had a moment to shine, but we're going to have to leave you behind. All right, so 
enjoy yourself and uh, have a good one. And, uh, you know, next time I ask you darn phone. Talk to you. <laughs> you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Whoa. I am not censored. <laughs> darn. All right. Okay, so this is what we got to do now because that didn't work. So, Jim, we usually give Rams DFS, a.k.a. Cody Leach, a voicemail once a week because he never picks up his phone. And Brian usually hammers him and tells him he's looking at him through the cornfields because he lives in fucking Iowa. So how would you like to leave Cody a voicemail? Because he, <laughs> we jokingly mess around with him all the time and said if we get somebody that like played for the Rams to leave him a voicemail and he finally listens to it. He's going to lose his mind, man. So are you interested? He's going to have to lose his mind. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. He'll lose, it. he'll lose his mind because he won't pick up and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll regret it. Let's just say that. Let's, hey, do, let's it. do this. Let, why don't we finish our little interview here? And when we get done, I'll, I'll shoot him a little something. That'll be good. All right. We'll All do right. that. Awesome. All right. So, well, Jim, you, you basically played in the cornfields, right? In Purdue. Well, I did, and we played against some really tough Iowa teams, and and so I mean, I have all the respect in the world for those people that live in Iowa and Indiana and Midwest who, who play some good football. Matter of fact, I'd like to see Coach Brom over Purdue win some more games because they they finally are back, you know, throwing the ball. I always said Purdue was a place where there was astronauts and quarterbacks, and uh, for years we we had lost the quarterbacks, but. <laughs> Drew Brees is still representing, but we need to get more of our boys in the in the league if we're considered quarterback. You, very true. Now going back to your playing days for the Los Angeles Rams in Anaheim, I had to do a little research because I was only born in '92, and I was seven years old when I started watching football, and that's when the Rams ended up going to the Super Bowl in '99, 2000. Uh, but you know, I was looking at your stats, and I was kind of amazed. And I wanted to get your thoughts and your perspective on the eighteen, the nineteen eighty nine season, and when you eclipsed over forty three hundred yards, because I feel like that's a lot of yardage that you're throwing for, especially in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, four thousand was today's five thousand mark back in the day. So I mean, I guess um, we had a few different rules that were going on. Like anyone, they could jack our receivers all the time. They could. They could jack us up within one step. So, I mean, there was there was a price to pay by throwing the ball and you get receivers going over the middle. I talked to Henry Ellard, that you guys talked to last week. But, you know, you throw balls over the middle to your receivers, and they, it was a free shot on them. It was – I mean, they could take them out. And I saw so, – and, I, and I, so I was really conscious about protecting my own guys. I would try to throw it down, trap down in a way. I didn't want to put it every once in a while. You, you know, you didn't have the time to – or the luxury to – put it in the exact perfect spot but i was really really trying to save my guys out there one of the reasons why i like throwing the, the deep out route is ain't one no one's going to get hurt and it was a it was a good timing thing where you know henry and flipper could catch it but yeah it was a good year i mean you, you take uh we ran an offense that was very similar to dan Fouts ran down in san diego years before same system troy aikman ran down in dallas uh when they won their super bowls um, it's unfortunate. I look back on it that I didn't have a chance to run it with Eric Dickerson in the, in the mix. Um, we had him there for a second, but he really didn't get the, uh, um, the advantages of all the stuff that Ernie Zampezi brought and the system very similar. You always say, you know, is it the players? Is it the system? Is it the system that makes the players? 
I mean, number one, you have to have players. But if, if you have a system, it makes those players even better. And that's what we're seeing today is that you could have players and have no system and not be very good. So you need to have both. Good coaching, good players, great teams. With that being said, we actually had uh, Henry Ellard on the pod last week. Who who was your favorite wide receiver you ever played with? Because he mentioned you as the favorite uh, quarterback. Sure, I would. I would. I have always said this: anybody that's willing to catch is my favorite guy. But anyways, it's you know it's a, it's a team sport. But I would have to say Henry Ellard was the most natural one. I mean he he. I mean, his ability, I could, uh, he, he could be three steps from coming out of the break and I'm already throwing the ball because I know exactly where he's going to be. He's so precise. Matter of fact, I just had lunch with Quinn Early, who I was with down in New Orleans. I just had lunch with him a couple of days ago, and he was very similar. And I, I think if he would have played in the right system, I think when I got to New Orleans, he ended up catching close to 90 balls for a couple of years. I mean, took another free agent deal to Buffalo. But again, the right player in the right system can be huge. And I think, you know, here's a, a guy like Quinn Early who was in a system where I don't think he was utilized right for the first few years. He finally got it and got paid. And then he went to a system up in Buffalo that really didn't use him, used him as a clear-out guy. So, again, I think you take a guy like Cooper Cup. I think he's an extremely good receiver, does things extremely well, but you put him in the wrong system, he's just a guy running routes. You talk about Flipper, Flipper Anderson, he, he's, I've never seen a guy have a single, a single game as big as him. A game that he wasn't even supposed to start. And so Henry's probably my everyday favorite receiver. you got Flipper in there, you got Clearly. I love Petey Houlihan, who I think had the best hands in the NFL, hands down. Um, we taught our guys how to receive. Um, but again, anyone who's willing to catch balls is my best buddy. So you mentioned Twitter earlier, and you know you're so engaging with the fans. But unlike any other, you know, uh, ex-pro athlete, what's your favorite thing about being on Twitter? I know you like to have fun and make the gifts and you know poke fun at people. You know, us, as a matter of fact. So, what's your favorite thing about it? Well, the favorite thing about Twitter is I wish we had it years ago. And so I look at it as a, <laughs> I look at it as a blessing. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, but we never had a voice. Our voice had to always go through a media channel and the media channel may have another message that they want to send. So your information that you give to them, is like playing that three-way conversation. It kind of gets twisted around. You're like, that's not what I said. This is what I said. This is how I meant it. So on Twitter, you avoid all that. I mean, you look, I'm not. I'm not trying to be political by any means, but you look at a president on Twitter. I'm not saying he's right, wrong, and different, but he can go directly and avoid any of the biases that he wants. He can just say whatever he wants. Well, that's the same thing for athletes. Same thing for you. Same thing for anybody. Um, I think there's some level of responsibility that you need, but as far as being able to communicate exactly your thoughts, your personality, my personality is a little bit lighthearted. You follow my Twitter. You know, I don't think you take anything I say too seriously because I like to have a little bit of fun, and I, I like the visuals parts and the gifs or the whole thing. Uh, to me, just just is fun as heck. <laughs> I don't ever mean anything bad by it, and I try not to do too much political stuff at at all. But um, but 
seen some of the lighter things in life and joined things. I think that's really cool. I don't do Facebook. Um, really don't do Instagram, but you know, those things, I think they have value to certain groups. Um, but I just think Twitter is a way that you can communicate your own thoughts in your own way and your own, and your own brand. And I think that's super cool. So I was, I was going to say, uh, with that being said, I think we saw that Hector put up a, a poll saying who was more interactive, uh, you or Tori Holt, <laughs> which I would say that Tori's not very interactive on Twitter, but he's super interactive on Instagram because he does a live post like every day and takes questions from people and answers them. Oh, I think Tori is like one of the best ambassadors ever. And I think you're looking at it maybe a little bit of a generational thing. I think some of the, the folks are a little bit, you know, more hip with the Snapchat, Instagram, uh, maybe a little bit younger. I, I really hadn't grown up having a camera in front of my face the whole time. In fact, I, I don't like doing FaceTime, this and that. So my stuff, I like a little more imagination. So I think, I think while we're both, it's probably not fair to do that on Twitter as opposed to, I'm sure if, if you put that same survey on Instagram, um, Tori Holtz, Tori Holtz, hands down. But what a great, what a great human being and representative for for the Rams. And you know, with the uh, Hall of Fame ba- balloting and the whole thing, hopefully that all works out well for him. Oh man! Um, so you were mentioning that you're going to be at training camp, right? Um, yes, sir. I know. I, I know most of the boys. Not me. I, I'm going out of town. I'm going to Denver this weekend. But I think most of the boys are going to be there Sunday. I'll be there Monday. Are you going to be there throughout the weekend, or when are you going to be at training camp so all the listeners know when to come search you out? No, I'm going to be. I'm going to be doing some preseason stuff for CBS. So I'm going to be in and out as many practices as I can. Um, availability definitely be there Monday for the Legends event for sure. Um, I think we have some conflicting stuff on Sunday, but I, I might even, you know, see what's going over there. You know, I might be, I only live 15, 20 minutes from there. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that big a deal to, to slide on down there, but there's a big legends uh, stuff that they're going all weekend long. And then we'll all show up there Monday for sure. So if you want to see your favorite guys, and I know Jim Hill from CBS will be over there Monday doing a, a bunch of stuff and, it's going to be a fun time, but uh, definitely Monday, I, I guess, for all your listeners would be the correct answer. But I'll be there in and out. But I actually want to try to get a little little behind-the-scenes stuff done just to see who's doing what and answer some of the questions that you talked about earlier. Well, Jim, I, myself, Brian, I, I will be there Monday. Like I said, I know the boys will be there on Sunday. So I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> All right, now, Brian, are you going to change your team name from uh, the fantasy football? I need to ask that. Are you, uh, you know, uh, are you going to stay with the the cups and the whole deal? I I might change it. I haven't even thought about it yet. Like we're we're a good month out, right? Yeah, I thought maybe you would go to two balls and one cup or something like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're 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 talking about a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. I think I might have to go with two balls, one cup. I, I think I might change it right after we get off the call. I don't know. Anyway. How about no balls, Wait. one purse? Ooh, there we go. That's for Brian. Good. That would for Brian. That would be called a purse, by the way. That's a you know man purse. There we go. It's so, called a satchel. It's called a satchel, <laughs> satchel bitches. Well, I know Miles Simmons calls his a Merce, so I don't know what you guys are, you know. I know Miles over there is calling his a Merce. I know that's what he does, so I don't, don't Well, Miles is fashionable. 
Well, but I was going to say, Miles is another cat. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Miles will get me back on that on that one anyway, but bringing him into this with you guys. So, anyways, uh, fun folks over there. But one of the things I wanted to say before I left is, one of the things I've been so impressed with is some of the Rams stuff is, some of the stuff they're doing off the field, on the field, how they come back to Los Angeles and how they've really impacted this area has been tremendous. I had a chance to run up and do a L.A. Fire Department award ceremony. I mean, the, uh, the stuff that they've done around here has been tremendous. I give kudos to Kevin Dimoff by jumping in, you know, the L.A. area with running and just doing a great job. Yeah, it helps when they're, you know, winning a lot of games per year. I think that helps, but they really seem to, you know, have a, a front office that's willing to do a lot of different things for this community, and it's really fun to be around it. Well, let's call Cody. Let's do it. I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got we got to get we got to get the voicemail for Cody before we let you go, Jim. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. But you guys tell him that you're looking at him in the cornfield. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be so good. Love it. Cody Leach. Oh, Cody. I'm going to send him a DM right now. Just give him a heads up. Maybe he'll answer the fucking call. All right, here we go, fellas. Let's see. Christy. You have reached the voicemail ah. box. Hey, Cody. Cody, this is Jim Everett. Hey, look out your window. Yeah, the front one, front one right there. Look to the left. I'm over there. I'm waving my hand. Yeah, right past that uh, third corn stock. You see me? Cody, can you see me? Hey, anyways, this is Jim Everett. Um, I'm going to be running through your cornfield here a little bit, uh, you know, just, just playing around. But anyways, we'll miss you out here in California and just wanted to say hi, buddy. Talk to you soon. See you, Cody. Get back to work, you slacker. Rams is answered. Oh, man. <laughs> I sent him a DM as you were doing that, and I I told him, I said, hey, you might want to listen to your voicemail. Jim just left you one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, I got to get this night going and and wrapped up. I enjoyed my time with you guys. Can we do it again? Absolutely. 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 Thanks so much, Jim, for coming on. I will have more more inside information as we get going, but I just want to make sure that everyone has a fair shake. You know, there's 90 guys going for a job. And, you know, when you're handing out 53 of them before they've even had a chance to suit up, it's not too fair. So there'll be a couple guys that'll be surprised on this team. And it's going to be interesting to see who they are. I agree. Can't wait. All right. Thanks Have a good one, Jim. Jim. Hey, stay uncensored, man. Talk to you. you damn right. <laughs> Later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Rob's Uncensored. So, guys, I got, like, a legit second segment to kind of, like, talk about because, obviously, training camp just started, right? Uh, But we've been seeing the NFL Top 100 for last year. We've got Eric Weddle at 100, Andrew Whitworth at 91, Robert Woods. So I'm saying I'm setting the over-under at 5.5. What do you guys got? Obviously, we're going to see Donald and Gurley, but are we going to see one more current Ram on that list? Wait, wait, wait. Donald and Gurley are the only ones on there? Well, no, I'm saying they're going to be the one. They're going to be on the list, but they haven't been revealed yet. So how far down on the list? Because I'm not paying attention. Oh, well, they they haven't released it yet. But, I mean, 
If we're gonna take guesses, let's take guesses because yeah. Uh, let's, 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 what, let's, wait, wait, let's wait. What are we real. talking about here? Are we talking real. about the one hundred, the top one hundred yeah. on NFL Network? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew Whitworth has already come out, and Robert Woods, and Weddle. Weddle was a hundred. Yeah, so I'm talking about yeah, yeah, all current Rams. Who cares who they played for last year? I'm talking about current Rams. Yeah, like, obviously I mean, Gurley and Donald are going to be on the list, but like, will we see Jim? Uh, dude, Johnson will be on there. You think so? Robert Woods is not, number seventy six. If he's if Johnson is not on there, it's a fucking crying shame. What about Goff? Do you think he's respected by the players? Because that's the interesting thing. This is something voted in he was by on the it players. Last year. He was on it last year. Yeah, he'll be on it. it yeah. This, and this, is, the, this, is, this list is voted by his peers. Right. So we, we can throw that media bullshit right out the window because none of these guys care about that stuff either. They're going to vote for the players they think are good. So, yes, he's going to be on the list. Last year, Carson Wentz was like third overall. So, I mean, I feel like he's got to be close to top 20. Listen, there's there there's over, what, 1,500 players in the NFL. If you're 100, you're stoked. Right, for sure, which was well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. You're stoked. You're, you're in the party, right? You're in the party. You're in the top 100. Weddle's little clip for him being number, the first one, player 100, it got me amped. You know, Tommy, you've been talking about him a lot. And just how smart uh, and just great of an addition he is. And, dude, yeah. Like, his coaches love him. The players love him. I'm just – I'm so excited. Dude, when you're – you know, when you grow up playing sports, you are born with the physical gifts that they gave you, right? So you have to play to your strengths and play up to your weaknesses, you know. And he – his strength is his mind. And, dude, on the football field – your mind is probably the most dangerous thing. I was thinking about it. He reminds me like almost like Troy Palomalu because he, like in that little clip, it shows him getting close to the line no. of scrimmage, but he's that safety no. running deep. No. But Palomalu, he, he, would, he was a freelancer. He wasn't where you Paul were supposed Malu to be. Palomalu was a hitter, dude. He was a hitter. Don't get me wrong. They're both great safeties, but two different safeties, man. You got that wrong. I feel like they're freelancers in that sense, though. They like they don't necessarily play. They play to the scheme, but they 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 aren't where you expect them to be. Like like Peyton Manning's talked about Troy Polamalu and how you know when when they're running a certain play, it's supposed to take the safety a certain way, and he just wouldn't go that way. And that's... I I actually see exactly what you're getting at, Matt. You're saying that those two players, regardless of their strengths, whether they were, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. Hitters was their strength, like Palomalo was, um, and and vice versa, you know, with the opposite with um, Weddle. But what you're trying to say is that they're instinctive players, correct? Yeah, that, yeah. I, I feel you. To answer your question, I'm going to take the over at seven. There we go. Seven, damn. All right. And he's making his mark because I said five and a half, right? Yeah. So, so while I have you guys on the line, I know you boys are going to training camp on Sunday, right? Me and Mark are. Yeah, are you going, Matt? Yep. I won't. I got to be postmating it, guys. I got to be making some money. Oh, I thought I th- postmating it. I thought you were an Uber fucking driver. Nah, I changed it up, bro. I like delivering food a lot better. Don't have other people riding in my car that I don't know. 
That's actually a smart move. Dude, and my wife drives, and I'm the one who just goes in and gets the food and runs it up to the people's, like, desk. Sweet. Dude, I I went – it was, like, late one night. We went to – I had to go to Ralph's and buy two jugs of milk and deliver it to someone. It was – I was a personal shopper. It was fucking amazing. I would not trust you delivering my food because, you (laughs) motherfucker, you would fucking eat the fuck out of that shit. Don't lie to me. You're fucking dipping your hand into that fucking Cool Whip, you motherfucker. That's against the rules. I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to get... Don't lie. If I ordered some Krispy Kremes online through Postmates, that motherfucker would come half empty. Oh, if it's you? Of course. Hey, should we call Captain yeah. Typo? Who? Oh, Captain Mr. Typo. Wags. Yeah, Mr. Hot Mr. Wags. Wags. All right. Here we go, Mr. Wags. The fuck is that? <laughs> Somebody sure. playing with their RC Prussian Pro Am or what? <laughs> Excellent. I have. Oh no, I don't have RC Brown. I wish I did. At the tone, please record your message. <laughs> Hey, fuck you, Captain Typo. I would say I'm staring at you through a cornfield, but I don't think they have any in Portland. So I'll just tell you that I'm in a river and I'm staring up and I'm looking at you, motherfucker. I see you talking to that fat chick. I see you. You're going to tell us she has big titties and that's all good, but fuck you, Wags. Answer your fucking phone. all right fellas i I think i'm gonna call it i think we we got good stuff we're hitting it we hit the hour i think i think we got i think we got real good stuff hell yeah i love it so so gentlemen before we get off the phone so before we get off the phone um i'll find out tomorrow when pete houlihan's gonna join us I don't even know who that is. Woo! <laughs> don't know who Pete. Who Pete, Pete was uh, Jim. Pete. Pete was Jim's tight end. Oh, okay, I was looking up someone online. The, the, he 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 left San Diego. He was in the yeah. He was in the Don Coryell or whatever. I don't know, but regardless, he was a really good tight end for the Rams in the eighties. Well, that's what I get for. But he played for San Diego as well. <laughs> no, that no, that's not too much weed. That just hey, means you were too young. But real quick, I'm, no, for real, you're absolutely right. I want to, I want to end the show yeah. on why is Lance Kendricks getting so much hate? <laughs> Dude, hey, I have a pretty cool, hate? I have a pretty cool Lance Hendricks story actually. So, a few years back, um, when he was still on the team, I was on my way to Arizona to watch the Rams play uh, the Cardinals, and we we're we stopped at a gas station in Blythe. And there was this SUV on the other side of the pump with a Ram sticker on the back. So I started chatting with the guy pumping the gas. Hey, you want? I'm all, hey, this is a real stupid question. Are you on the way to the game too? And he started laughing because we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. You know, of course he's on the way to the fucking game. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm, go- I'm on my way to see my cousin play. I was like, oh, really? Who's your cousin? He's like, Lance Kendricks. And I'm like, oh, why? And it's funny because they looked a-, a lot alike too. So you know he wasn't bullshitting. And, uh, then he started talking about him. I'm like, yeah, man, like, dude, 
what's his deal, man? He he's so much promise coming out of college and and like what happened? Why is he not living up to you know what everyone thought he was gonna be? And he said, dude, to be honest with you, my cousin lacks confidence. Um, he's just um, not a confident. He's yeah. not a confident person on and off the field. He just thinks he's not great at anything, you know. And he just that kills him. And uh, we're always trying to pump him up and pump him up, but he just—that's his biggest issue. And I, that, that was really a real telling situation right there. Watch Belichick fucking well, you, just bring it out of him. You if, you want you want another you want another funny one. You remember Daniel Fells? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I was one of the years where it took us like eight, nine years or eight, nine games to get a fucking win, maybe 10 games. I don't even remember, you know, back in like the 2009, 2010, somewhere around there where we're god awful. And I think Fells actually like won the game for us. I'm out in Fullerton. I'm fucking hammered celebrating like we won the Super Bowl. And I see a dude wearing a Fells jersey. And I was like, motherfucker and he looks at me he goes that's that's my boy it was this it was his fucking dad oh wow oh, wow that's yeah awesome. i met his dad <laughs> i randomly met his dad because i'm like who the fuck has that jersey right really? exactly you really gotta question that when somebody's rocking an obscure jersey like that right right but he actually won us i don't know if you guys remember the game or not but he like won us the game it might have been special teams something like fake field goal or something but he won us the game it was like the first game we won all season. It was like when we were god awful, we would win one game or three games, whatever it was, before Jeff Fisher. To be you honest, would think, you would think that I would remember that stuff, but we lost yeah, so many games. I can't era. remember any of it. It's like a, you know, PTSD, dude. You just try to right. fucking block it all out. Yeah, well, like especially well, since no, we're winning no, no, lately, I'll tell you just kind of like crumble it up and throw it in the trash. You're like fuck that shit. I don't. Even well, I'll that. tell you the only reason I remember that because I wouldn't remember that either. But it was the fact that I met it dad that's why i remember it oh of course that's the that's the reason yeah. you remember it is because of that whole scenario if not you wouldn't remember that right because of that right, trauma right, when you were exactly. drunk like woo fucking head bro <laughs> <laughs> I, also went, I also went in i also went in for a, a blood test with my doctor the next day and i go fucking get the results and he's like what the fuck your liver was so good what happened i go well, we won our first game. He goes, see me in two weeks. Don't drink. <laughs> You've told me that before. That's that game? Holy shit. That was the game, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> we'll end it on that, guys. Right. Is that right? I think so, no? Well, Tommy, let's be in touch before Monday. Yep. But don't touch each other's nether regions. I hope we do. Mark. And on and on behalf of the Rams Uncensored crew, Twitter Rams Universe, I have to say... You better shut your mouth before I shut it for you! And let's listen to Tommy fucking shit in the toilet and people like to talk shit. Rams Uncensored! People like to just hear people fucking talk shit.
<laughs> you can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.